Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it. Welcome to Review Time's Theme Parkcast. This is a weekly show where we discuss the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Dom and I will be your host. Quick announcement, we're going on a small hiatus in January, so if you don't see us for a couple of weeks, that's where we've gone. Luke is actually going on a cheeky trip overseas, which is crazy, but we'll introduce him soon. You have no idea who Luke is yet. So uh, we're actually going to be talking about his trip. We're going to be talking about uh, he's going to Disneyland for New Year's Eve and he's going to be around there for about a week. So we're going to see what he's excited for, what's changed, what he's not excited for and and we'll get into it but I've got to introduce who Luke is first because you have no idea who he is and we only met before this show so introducing the man who recently uncovered a secret piece of theme park history Shortly before the Disney Resort opened, Walt had a friend named George Last who tragically passed away after mistaking the Monsanto's Hall of Chemistry as a New Age bar and fell into the park's wood chopping machine. Walt was saddened by this, but Roy suggested that they dedicate a hotel on property to Mr. Last. Unfortunately, the hotel was never fully realised, but somewhere in Imagineering is a small model of the concept. On there is a small quote, as if coming from the words of Mr. George Last himself. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. <laughs> oh my God. I should have timed that to see how much of my life just wasted away in front of my eyes. If I never come back from my trip, it's because of that. Like that's a, uh, I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> There's a very niche overlap of uh, theme park fans and fans of Papa Roach. So mm. we'll, we'll see if anybody actually gets that reference. I think there's, <laughs> there's one guy somewhere, you know, just sitting in his car at the moment. He's like, <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> you know the song I'm talking what... about, though, where it's like, yeah. cut my life into pieces. Yeah, I was trying to this make a pun my... yeah. on Last Resort. What and a I... weird thing to think about. <laughs> like... I can also see in my audio there's a nice big gap where we both stopped talking because you were so yeah. shocked. <laughs> that's just ten seconds of silence. That's but, that, that's a better introduction than the actual <laughs> one. <laughs> so we we are talking about your upcoming trip to Disneyland. Yeah, so. Uh, which Quick, is uh, overview of it. As you were saying, I'll be at Disneyland for New Year's Eve, which is if you've ever, you know, somebody who worked at a Disney park on New Year's Eve probably sounds crazy. Uh, yeah, it is a little <laughs> bit. Um, uh, and then we're going to do, within, we're there for like a week. We're going to do, I think, five days at Disneyland Resort. And then we're also doing Knots and uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain. That's exciting. So and it's a good trip to get back into, which we were, we were talking this week. Uh, we went to Luna Park, Sydney and together, which was we were saying was the first time we've been to any form of theme park in at least six months. But the only theme park we had been to in almost 18 months was Luna Park, Sydney. Like, yes. it was for people <laughs> whose, you know, days of the week are completely enveloped with theme park stuff. It's, we haven't been to a theme park for a while. So I'm excited to get back to a proper theme park because we've been to, you know, 
the Australian theme parks right when they reopened after the pandemic and like 90% mm. of the rides were still closed. So it would be good to do a decent park, shall we say. Look, uh, we do wonder why uh, theme parks like Luna Park don't respond to our emails. And it's probably because we don't call them uh, real theme parks. <laughs> if they well, listen to anything like the podcast. Uh, Luna Park Sydney says they're not. A, they know they're not a theme park. They call yeah. themselves an amusement park. Well, they're like a boardwalk. It's hard yeah. to describe what it is because you can just walk around the park Without a ticket, which is really well, strange. Well, not anymore, but I hope they bring that back because that part's always cool. Which but does the dif- the difference between them and a, a theme park, shall we say, uh, Disney California Adventure is a theme park and one of its lands is pretty much Luna Park, Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of its lands is pretty much Luna Park, Sydney. So it's, it's crazy to think how long this has gone on for. I can't even... Outside of Australian theme parks, I think the last theme park that I went to was Walt Disney World in 2019, mm. which was, which would be coming almost on three, three years. years. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's been almost two and a half years since I've been to a park, and almost three for you, which is wow, wild to think about. When you know, we've make still make weekly videos about theme parks, but we <laughs> haven't been to a theme park, which is why I'm so excited. Um, as we said in last week's episode, this was actually the last theme park I went, made overseas theme park I went mm. to before the pandemic. Uh, that was in 2019. I actually was there for D23 Expo, um, which you can't go to D23 <laughs> and not go to Disneyland literally right next door. So if you've um, ever wondered on our, I don't know if it's still there, but we have like a day one recap of D23. Uh, yeah. And then a sort of full recap of D23. The original idea was that Luke was going to edit like a a full day every day. Every day, yeah. Kudos to his dedication. I wasn't there for this, but he went there. He did D23, stayed there for the whole day, and then went back to his hotel, edited a video, did the full voiceover, and then pumped it out so that people who were at home, like myself, could watch it. Um, No one watched it. No one watched it. And it was a big waste of time. I, I believe I was up till about 3 a.m. that day and then got up at uh, 7 a.m. to go to D23 again. So that was a one and done. And then the the, the final video I made was when I was back at home. Like, yeah. Oh, look, so it's... this time you won't get any videos from me on at the park. <laughs> um, I really don't think that re- uh, realistically the, the kind of content from this trip will mostly be the podcast. I don't have any plans to make any videos from the park. This it truly is just a holiday where I'm going for, um, I'll be over in the States for a few weeks, seeing mm. uh, my partner's family for Christmas. And then me and her us doing a good old stop over at Anaheim on the way back, seeing some friends um, that we've, you know, worked at Disney with and friends that we know in the yeah. California area. So it is weird because I don't think I've done a straight up holiday to a theme park where I haven't had like that making of videos mind about me since we went to hong kong and tokyo in 2017 it's been a while and i will imagine that the pressure is still there you'll be thinking of me looming over your head being like (laughs) b-roll but no take a holiday the the way that i wanted to sort of outline this as well is that uh, considering we are now reopening for a lot of people 
travel isn't something that has been able to be done for a while. Mm. And basically what I wanted to go through was the different steps uh, of you mm. getting to this point. And so sort of starting off with uh, actually leaving the country and then going into yeah. things like what you're going to do at the resort, you know, where you plan to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we won't go into huge details because you probably don't want people following you the around. We, we are the world's biggest podcasters after all with our yeah, if you see 500 me, views. Feel free to come and say hello, but don't stalk me. Don't do that weird thing that I've heard other creators have where you'll someone will send like a picture of you to you from like <laughs> behind you or something and they'll be like, oh, is that you? I'm like, just if you think it's me, come on up, say hello. I'm happy to have a chat. Uh, with you but it is that weird thing where i'm sure there would be people who've seen our videos in the park with us like have when i'm walking around like <laughs> last we time we did- told the story on the podcast about when i panicked when we met someone who recognized <laughs> us <laughs> no so, i'm not sure if they listened to this hopefully it can sort of redeem uh yeah. my situation i get immensely shy around people I don't know. Like if, if you know me and you know me well, I'll become like one of the loudest, most outgoing people. But if I don't know you, I'm super reserved. And so we were just like sussing out stuff to do with the, the new coaster construction at Luna Park. This was in January of this year. And we were just like taking pictures and all of that. And somebody came up to us and sort of gave us a double take Mm. And just started talking to us and like, oh, what do you guys do? And well, you know, taking pictures, having a look. And he he turns to me specifically and goes, Are you guys theme park enthusiast? <laughs> I I don't know why, but I said no, not really. <laughs> and Luke gave me this look. He turned to me like what? And what I doing? just, I like, I just kind of was dumbfounded too. I didn't even say like, <laughs> yes, we are. I was like, oh well, I guess we're not. See you guys. <laughs> and so he was like, oh, so do you know much about this? And I was like, yeah. And I knew like everything about the project, everything that was coming. And mm. I think he was just kind of like, ah, oh, okay, okay, that's strange. Anyway, the same person then sent us a that they like left a comment on one of our things, being like, I thought it was you guys i like i met you today at luna park i'm like oh no so i just <laughs> i'm so I freak sorry out. i don't know i i don't know why i said no i just i think it was that thing like you know where someone approaches you on the street and is like do you want to try this product no not really <laughs> <laughs> no oh okay <laughs> yeah so it was that was Shout experience. out to that guy if you're listening. Um, I'm but, sorry for making it awkward. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing with travel at the moment is it's that thing where, you know, obviously the main reason we're traveling is because my partner hasn't had the ability to see her family for approaching three years at this point. Well, not the ability. She hasn't had the ability for two years and then she didn't see them for a year before because who would have thought this was happening? Um, yeah. And then, you know, Disney's just a on the way home, why not? If you're over there sort of thing and, and can do that. Um, but it's a, a process because the thing is where you know, behind the scenes here, we're recording this before, um, before I leave Australia because I'm not taking my 
review time microphone <laughs> with me. You're actually was... <laughs> hanging out at the moment at the boarding hey, gate. They're if like, you can hear a screaming behind me, it's because I'm filming out the front of uh, Space Mountain right now. Um, We're just but... using noise cancelling technology from <laughs> NASA. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a process. I like, and in theory. If I were to test positive, because you have to have a negative test a day before you leave for the US at the moment, and if for whatever reason I was to test positive, I wouldn't be able to go and would have under 24 hours notice of not being able to go on the trip. So there's a lot of that, you know, that fear almost of it's going to be hard to make, but it makes Mm. sense. And then it's not just that. You've got to get a specific type of test that you have to pay for before you leave. Um, and that, that used to be a 72 hour period and now it's a a day before period. Um, so I'll have to get that on the Wednesday. I leave here on the Thursday and then same thing on the way home. You have to get a negative test to arrive back, um, home in Australia. And then you have to isolate at your house for 72 hours and get a number of tests. So it is that thing where Australia's borders have reopened, but it is not at all easy to travel at the moment still. And if at this stage, if we weren't going to see my partner's family for the first time in three years, it would not be worth the effort, in my opinion, to travel at this stage. Yeah. It's too risky. There's too much going on at the moment. That's not to say I'm not incredibly excited to travel, but it's not, you know, like it used to be, I guess. Sort yeah, of thing. it's kind of that thing I've heard from a lot of people as well, uh, including my parents. They were looking at traveling because for Australian citizens and residents, we are now able, if you're double vaccinated and if you aren't, go and get vaccinated. Um, But I'm not going to tell you what to do, but (laughs) all of the doctors and scientists say it's good. So I'm not a doctor or a scientist. I talk about bloody theme parks. Don't talk to (laughs) crazy people on Facebook. Talk to your GP, say what they say. Yeah, it's... uh, so I'm not going to tell anyone what to do, but I, I believe in my opinion that it's a good yep. thing. As well as like it would be very oh, hypocritical the, of me yeah. to be like, uh, you know, don't, uh, but also be based in the travel industry. So- <laughs> well, th- that's another big thing. Um, travel, I didn't mention because to me it just is second nature that I am vaccinated now. I don't have to think about it, but you have to, to travel internationally to the US, you have to be uh, fully vaccinated if you are not yep. a US citizen. Uh, and if you are, were to come back to Australia after a trip um, and you are unvaccinated, you would have to go into hotel quarantine for two weeks that is paid for out of pocket by yourself. Mm. Um, it's kind so- of crazy. Like I, I've seen a lot of people like, you know, not getting into the politics of it, but uh, who have stressed that if you're not vaccinated, you can't leave. You can leave it's just there are only mm. very few places that will take you and then coming back you also have to stay in a hotel for two weeks out of pocket so mm-hmm. i think the yeah no politics the free vaccine <laughs> is uh, probably the better option of that um, but in saying that um you know, leading up to getting on the flight and all that you're saying that you need to get a covid test mm-hmm. what do you think would be the the worst point to have something go wrong because I know that you have to get a COVID test before you leave, but you also have to get one when you get there. Is that right? Uh, no. So I believe that if you get there, one is if you are an American citizen who's unvaccinated. Uh, Currently, okay. uh, so but when you come home to Australia, you do have to get one on the day you land and then one on the third day or something like that. Mm. Um. 
I haven't looked too much into that because currently stuff is changing about that at a pace that it might be different by the time we get back. It'll Hopefully be it's like not, on the day uh, you'll know what you need yeah, to do. <laughs> so we, we already know where we need to go to get um, PCR tested on the way home and stuff like yeah. that. So, well, that's good. Yeah. I guess then getting into from the airport experience, I've heard talking to your partner who has actually traveled overseas that once you actually get into the airport, it's all fairly standard. It's just a lot more Mm. quieter because there aren't uh, as many people who are traveling. The thing that I think would be very interesting is actually getting onto the plane itself. Mm. Are you... Not particularly excited about yeah, so it's 12 weird hours. That- <laughs> yeah, the, the weird thing is, um, so my partner, she's already over there. She traveled a few weeks ago. Um, when I look at when she traveled a few weeks ago, it was, she, her plane, you know, a plane can hold 350 plus people. She mm. had about 30 people on her, on her flight. Bad it's for that the weird airline, thing where, good for the <clears throat> guests. <laughs> it's that weird thing where if I look at my flight, it looks like the flight is relatively full, but weird seats are available compared to seats that aren't available. So I don't mm. know if they've just like blocked some sections out. So for example, currently all the middle row middle seats in the middle section are booked. It looks like they're unavailable, like they've been booked, but the aisle seats in those same sections are available. Yeah. So it's almost like, have they just like booked, like blocked some of the seats out at some point or something like that? I'm not sure. Um, wearing a mask for 14 hours is going to be weird. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, I've got some comfier ones and I'll probably bring a couple because I know just even, you know, in my day to day job, having to wear a mask the whole time. It gets a bit sweaty and like trying to talk <laughs> through it. So I'll bring a few. I've got ones that I find are comfy and then I've got, you know, different styles. That will be fine. It's going to be weird to travel again. And I wasn't a person who exactly loved flying beforehand. Like I'm not scared of it. I'm just a big, tall guy, you know, yeah. over six foot. The People who are over six foot don't like flying because they don't like their knees being crunched for 14 hours straight. And that's what ends up happening. (laughs) So in that case, you know, I love flying because of where it can take you. I Mm. don't love flying because of, you know, the the nightmare that is traveling as a really tall person. The blessing of being short. You always hear those things and it's like, oh, being a guy who's short, you must be useless. And it's like, no, uh, actually, the world is kind of built for people of my yeah. size. So, it, like, I never have problems on flights. I know you've had experiences with me where we've literally uh, gotten onto the plane. The plane hasn't taken off yet and I'm asleep. Like, I'm full yeah. comfortable, ready to go. And you're, like, in agony for eight hours. Just, like, just, like eyes open, can't sleep. Because yeah, jealously you, looking at you almost. You can't sleep on a plane, can you? Like no, I've never slept on a plane. I don't. Think, I've never slept a minute on a plane in my entire life. I so, struggle to me. sleep at night. But I remember mm. we've had uh, points where. So just to to list a few places where I've fallen asleep <laughs> uh, on trains, uh, yep. busy trains. I've fallen asleep in a PAX panel. Uh, so, like a convention panel right up the back, we we're hanging out with my friends, and I just fell asleep. I've fallen asleep on Spaceship Earth. Uh, <laughs> I've you fallen would have a- fallen asleep on uh, 
the good old Ellen's Energy Adventure if you had the chance. I'm yep, sure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think it also comes from that point of, like, when I first started flying, and especially when they started bringing in the planes that had the screens on them, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to watch all these movies, yep. and I'm going to have such a good time, you know, 14 hours in the air. And so I would sort of, like, hype myself up and make sure that I didn't sleep. But now I just hit a point where even if I am watching something, I'm just like... I've pass out i can't help it i can't help but to not fall mm. asleep on seats of that type i don't know what it is my dad's the yeah. same <laughs> interesting yeah i wish i could sleep on a plane though it's also that thing where you know it's difficult to figure out when you should sleep when you're coming from australia especially to the u.s because their time zone is so different yeah. to us like it's pretty much impossible to avoid jet lag the way i try to usually do it and it's because i don't have a choice so the way that that flight will kind of work. So I leave Australia at 11 a.m. from Sydney on a Thursday, and then I arrive in L.A. at like 8 a.m. on the same Thursday, like uh. the same day. And then the only way I've been able to do it, and it sucks for the day, but it kind of doesn't give me jet lag the next few days, is if I can stay up that day at 8 a.m. when I oh. land, <laughs> if I can stay up till like 10 p.m. that night, I'll be just so tired that I'll sleep, even though it won't be the right time. And I'll sleep for like easily eight to 10 hours and be good for the rest of the trip. So Ugh. it sucks for one day, but it's better than normal jet lag, which sucks for like five days. So I'll, I'll usually do the night before a flight. I'll try and get less sleep than mm, I need. So especially tired, if yeah. at somewhere like the US. So I'll get like four hours sleep. That way I get up, head to the airport. I live fairly decently far away from any international airport. So by the time I get there, get on the plane and get settled, it's been about five, six hours, which yeah. when you run in off four hours sleep, that's about the time that the body goes, yeah, I'm, I'm sleep, in need. Please. I need some more. Yeah. So that way then I can sleep through a majority of the flight and I get into the US on their time zone. Mm. But I've had that also happen where then forgetting that, you know, the coasts have different time zones. Mm. So then I've adjusted myself for LA, but I've still got to make my way to Orlando. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're so different again. Like, that's going to be... Yeah, it's weird. I I'm think I'm... It's either that I'm just lucky or my body is okay with it, but I very rarely get jet lag i don't think i've ever had like debilitating jet lag which i've heard of some people like essentially having to write off the first few days of a trip because their I've body is just once. so out of it yeah yeah it's and i can't really describe how it happened it was when i was traveling back home from europe and we stopped in dubai mm. and they're sort of comparable time zones but not super great and what happened was we were leaving from actually i think it was the uk so fair distance mm -hmm. away we went from heathrow to dubai and then we did a tour around dubai and it was for the day i was awake for probably about four hours of that tour we wow. walked yeah. around, saw some things, and we went to the, the Burj Khalifa. And we also saw like a, an outdoor market. So we went to a gold market. And we also went to uh, the like Mall of the Worlds or whatever it's called. Yeah. It's like that yeah. really big, gigantic mall at the bottom of the, the Burj Khalifa. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember 
a lot because <laughs> I was so tired. The flight coming over from wherever we came from, I, I'm fairly certain it was Heathrow. I just did not sleep. I don't know what happened, but mm. I could not for the life of me fall asleep. And then when I got to Dubai, the bus tour that was taking us around, the bus was so comfortable. And so I just kept on passing out <laughs> and I kept on missing things. But because my day was a consistent sort of like pass out, pass out, pass out, Up, my yeah, memory yeah. functions were just gone. They were just shot. Yeah, you don't remember. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm lucky. I, I hope I don't jinx myself, but I'm lucky I've never had that debilitating thing. I'm, I'm mm. not sure, if, like, I have heard that that thing of, like, if you can just force your body to stay up, that is a, a worker. But hopefully it works uh, for me again, though. The thing is because <laughs> I'm going to, um, you know, my partner's family's place first. I won't get jet lag at a theme park, I guess. Hooray. Um, but talking of the theme park, it's interesting I haven't been to DC Disney for two and a bit years. It's actually, mm. which is funny because if you look, you know, between when I went, say, in 2015 and then 2018, there was pretty much nothing new in that time. Yeah. Uh, there's now at least two major new things yeah. um, at the Disneyland Resort, which is cool. Of course, the first one is uh, Rise of the Resistance, which I've been to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, but it was Galaxy's Edge just with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Yeah. So and this is one of the, really. <laughs> this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, hearing that you are heading back to Disneyland and you were able to experience Galaxy's Edge when it came out, which didn't feel like that long ago, but I'm realising mm. was a bit. Yeah. But one of the things about Galaxy's Edge and one of the problems that a lot of people had is outside of the two attractions, a lot of the other things to do are food and drink as well as paid experiences. And both you and your partner have done all of those paid mm. experiences. So it'll be interesting to see how Galaxy's Edge compares as a land. Because I remember when you went and you were able to do all of those things, you were saying that it, like the land as a whole is spectacular. But outside of those attractions, there isn't really much reason for you to be at that part of the park. Is that well, something that you That's kind of every land, really, if you yeah. get down to the nitty gritty. The big separation, obviously, is going to be entertainment. Um, and this isn't the only land that doesn't have any form of entertainment, of course. Um, but it's probably the land that could easily have entertainment that doesn't like it's easily yeah. the land that it feels like without entertainment. This is the land that feels like it's, it'd be lacking something uh, in that thing. It's going to be weird, obviously ha not having ridden rise. How like, it's not as if when I previously was at um, Star Wars galaxy's edge that I was spending hours and hours and hours in the land yeah. anyway. Um, and the only way that adding Rise of the Resistance is going to make me spend more time in the land is just more time in a queue, I guess. Yeah. So to me, it will become that. So previously, you know, I built a lightsaber. It's going to be interesting to see that comparison of is Rise of the Resistance equivalent to building a lightsaber, yeah. you know, not in, you know, is it, uh, it's hard to compare the two, but that will be the, this time I'm going to be doing Rise of the Resistance. I won't be doing this compared yeah. to the last time I went um, because obviously I'm not going to build a lightsaber again because I'm not made of money. Uh, also this time it's all, and this is a Disneyland resort in general. We've got like no reservations for dining and I'm checking like every single day. 
So mm. Ogre's Cantina, I will happily go to again. But for the five days we're there, there is not a single reservation at any time of the day that I can currently get. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and Disneyland's still running at a reduced capacity. So I'm not sure if I haven't really looked into it. If, you know, maybe the capacity of restaurants is also smaller because yeah. last time we went, it, we could, you know, Ogre's, uh, Disneyland's. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge had just opened and we could easily get a reservation for ogres, for any dining that we want. The one thing we've been able to book the entire time we're there currently um, is a lunch at Cafe Orleans. That's it. That's all we've been able to book. Wow. It's one of those things that sort of when I was referring to that part of the park, Galaxy's Edge being right at the back of Disneyland mm. and probably the furthest away that you can go from the centre of the park. Would I be right in saying that? Is there like anywhere else that you can go? I guess Toontown, Not- but it's closed now, isn't it? No, no, Toontown. So this will actually be my last time to experience Toontown in its current stage. Uh, mm. It closes in like February. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's kind of that. It's in a similar place, but just to the left of Toontown. It's got Mm. that same feeling of disconnect um, a little bit from the land, which it's the same as like Harry Potter in Universal Japan, where that length, that distance is a cool effect. Weird thing here is, you know, on some attractions such as Big Thunder, you can kind of see into Star Wars land. Yeah. Which is a little bit weird, but... You can't see out of Star Wars land, which is probably the thing they were going for. <laughs> which is the bonus that you want. I guess yeah. in that sense, it's does it have enough food offerings in that area? And I think this is more of a, a broader uh, Disney thing and the problem that they might see with the way that the land's being structured, considering mm. that there is very little entertainment and a lot of it seems to be structured around the spontaneity of the land, that things just happen dynamically, mm. as well as the fact that a lot of people, they, they come to build their droid, they come to build their lightsaber, they'll then do Smuggler's Run, they'll do Rise of the Resistance. But being so far away, do you think it's that thing that, like it'll just be go and do the ride and then leave. Like there's so the no- big thing here is Galaxy's Edge feels a lot further away than it actually is. If you were to enter yeah. the the way uh, from Critter Country, it's literally about a, a two minute walk to Hungry Bear Splash Mountain, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So for dining, Galaxy's Edge, um, I've actually had something from every dining location within Galaxy's Edge. There's like a popcorn stand. Didn't like mm. that. There's a ro- the Ronto Roasters, which is like a, a wrap, like a sausage wrap. The breakfast wrap there is really good. Yeah. Uh, Docking Bay 7, which is their like kind of quick service with like tables inside and stuff like that. I had a dessert from there, which was nice. I've never actually had a meal, a proper meal there. And then obviously Ogre's Cantina, which I've done. Um, I really like Ogre's Cantina. I a lot of people like oh it's really expensive but also coming from Australia <laughs> theme park theme park cocktail prices are still cheaper than Australian cocktail prices so for me Yahoo and American cocktails will kick your teeth in compared to Australian cocktails with alcohol so for I don't really c- c- 
complain about those prices because it's cheaper than an Australian cocktail. It has about twice as much alcohol in it. So in Australia, most bars, you're looking at around 20, like between 18 and $24 for a cocktail. And uh, to put that into comparison... That's 17 US dollars yep. for a cocktail, as well as we have insanely strict alcohol laws. Like you can't mm-hmm. free pour, you can't yep. do multiple shots or anything like that. There are, we went to a bar once that had a drink where they had a, it was like just consisting of spirits. It was like five spirits, all mm. uh, 30 mil shots mixed in with each other. And this was in Australia. We This is where we had the coveted green tree frog. Oh. And they could only serve that to you once. Like legally, mm-hmm. they could only serve that to yeah. you. And if you didn't have anything else, because we were like, oh, I want that. And like, I can only give it to you once. It was also disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if you looking at the prices at Ogre's Cantina at Disneyland, cocktails range from sixteen to eighteen dollars. Yeah, so you're which pay, is like, like wildly like, expensive for the US. Yeah, but for Australians, it's not expensive really at all. Yeah. Like that's normal price. <laughs> like if you were to go get a cocktail at an Australian theme park, which none of them really have, but if you were to pay that same premium. I reckon it'd be like $24 to $26 a cocktail. Yeah. Like the difference compared to, you know, if you go to a bar in America, a cocktail might be $10, where in a theme park it's 16, 60% markup. So, which I guess is why for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to pay, you know, if I go and have two or three drinks, I'm happy to pay 50 bucks for those That's three drinks the, sort of thing. the things that we hear a lot, especially um, coming from... Australia, where US based citizens and residents will go to a theme park and be like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. And yeah. exactly as you said, like the burgers and the food and that within a theme park is comparable to what we just regularly pay. pay regularly. Here. That's what I was. <laughs> and it sounds funny because I always, you know, you always hear of how expensive theme parks are. And just I hadn't been in so long. Just checking, like, you know, the prices of. Nothing spectacular, but just, you know, generic theme park food in America. And I was like, oh, Mm. it's actually cheaper than I remember. Like, you (laughs) know, for burger and fries, sure, it's just going to be a not great theme park burger and fries, but it's like $12 US. Where here, a burger and fries at a theme park is like 22 Australian dollars. Yeah. Which is crazy. And that doesn't include a drink. No. Yeah. It'll be, if you want a drink, it'll be like 26, it'll be almost 20 US dollars. Yeah. For what we get here. So if you think Disney theme park prices, if you transfer that into AUD, that's pretty much just Australian prices full stop. So Mm. um, So I guess leading... Oh, sorry, you were going to say something. Uh, there's a, the only other thing is then the, the, um, the, the blue and green milk. Oh, I'm sure you'll be going back every morning for that. Uh, so I didn't hate it, but like I... (laughs) It's not a good way to start a review. No, because pretty much everyone else in my group didn't like it at all. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but I don't really think I'll get it again. So that says a lot. Like a theme park, you've realistically, there's so many good choices for snacks and food and stuff. There's no point wasting your snack belly on something that's just decent when, you know, I can walk five minutes and get a Dole Whip. Why would yeah. I get the milk sort of thing? 
I feel yeah. like so much of that land was designed to be like, you're here, bye, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do it once and then just leave. I guess uh, leading into that, some of the things that I wanted to ask, and we'll probably start with the bad and, and end with the good, because that way then we're not ending this episode and, and you leaving <laughs> into your trip thinking of the negatives. But considering that a lot of things have changed over the 18 months, the mm. 18 to 24 months that you've been last, are there things that you're not particularly looking forward to? Um, I think the big thing is it's weird because so I've never been lucky enough to go to a Disney, sorry, to Disneyland, sorry, uh, when every nighttime kind of entertainment offering has been operational. There's always seems to be one missing. Big hmm. thing this time, there's neither Fantasmic nor World of Colour. Um, there is fireworks on the castle, but that's the only nighttime entertainment show. Uh, yeah. So they're currently running their holiday fireworks. So that's going to be a shame. Um Something I'm curious, but I think will lead to negative. Like, I'm more thinking it's going to be that negative is obviously Disney Genie. Uh, yeah. Plus, um, this is from somebody who enjoyed using Max Pass at Disneyland, just as somebody who, you know, a few days in a trip, I felt it was valuable as a tourist. Um, but everything coming out now looks like it's not great from what i'm seeing there's a lot of teething issues and i worry they're not going to have time to fix those teething issues before i go so i will definitely be doing a day with genie and a day without and then we'll talk about that when i get back i'll you know even though i said at the start i won't be working that'll be the closest thing i'll keep track of you know what standby says it was what standby actually was those sort of things we'll have a discussion about genie because it's easy enough for us to form opinions of what we see and what other people see but it's hard to know for sure until you experience it yourself um and then yeah the other big thing is that i really like disneyland dining and i try to do a sit down meal you know if for lunch usually it's a great way i find a break up some you know i love the cafe circle um there's a lot of places i i'm upset if i don't get to experience like even somewhere like the blue bayou i've always wanted to experience and the last three times i've been we've just never been able to get a reservation and it's looking like this is going to be that but to the next step where we might not be able to get a reservation anywhere and i don't mind disney's quick service food but you know at least once twice or three times in those five days that we're there i would like to do a proper sit down um dining you know opportunity it's kind of crazy like you only got your tickets recently within like the last two two three weeks i'd say that Mm. all of those reservations and all that went before that almost a month out like well so you can currently book 60 days in advance for that sort of stuff um yeah what i've heard it is the thing where what people do is, and it's the same with the the park reservation system for annual pass holders, they'll just book everything up yeah. in the chance that they might want to go. And then when it gets to like 24 hours before, they just start dumping them because they have to pay a fee if they don't. Uh, yeah. But then it becomes a thing where it's like, I don't want to spend my entire trip just on my phone, constantly Hunting. refreshing. And it's going to be the same thing with, you know, genie and stuff like that the thing with i liked max pass because max pass 
wasn't like FastPass Plus or what Genie looks to be, where you're constantly refreshing, hoping that you'll get a good time, hoping that you'll get that. Because the way it works is it was just based off the traditional FastPass system. You, what, you know, times weren't going to magically become available sort of thing later yeah. in the day. If it wasn't there, it wasn't there. It's never going to be there. So you don't need to go, oh, well, I need to rethink about it sort of thing. This is the um, problem that I had with uh, my Disney experience at Walt Disney World uh, before when we went in 2019. The issue that I had is that it just became a lot more gamed than it was when we went in 2015 mm. and when you were back at Walt Disney World. And so you were basically competing with everyone for these excellent times and that meant that i missed out on a lot if i wasn't yep. willing to spend the day literally between attractions with my head down refreshing and it's that thing that you miss a lot of what makes the park special in my opinion you know the like you're not meant to spend so much time and imagineers and stuff like that is spent on the atmosphere of the park and the facades yeah. of the attractions it's not like the theme parks only exist, you put blinders on, you're meant to put blinders <laughs> on until you sit in the ride vehicle and then you experience the ride. Hmm. The fact that they, and I don't know if Genie does or doesn't fix this issue, but it definitely, you hear it, you know, that having to have a degree almost in Fast Pass Plus to book your trip or be willing to spend, you know, so much of your day pulling down that refresh, pulling down that refresh or having to wait painless yeah. hours to get on a ride. And the problem is what happens is that the if you spend 30 minutes to an hour or you're in a queue and you're on your phone and you're refreshing it and you finally find a fast pass or a reservation or mm. a lightning lane to something that you want – you're a, your, your time has unfortunately been justified. You have been yeah. rewarded and then the next for something. Day you're like, oh, I can just do it again and do it. Exactly. And that's what we found is that we kept on hounding for better and better fast passes. And I yeah. know that the idea of the system is meant to be like, you go to the park, you've got everything laid out and you just follow through that. But it's also that thing where if Genie Plus is like, hey, here's your list of things to do for the day and you've got something at 9 o'clock and then at 11 a.m. it tells you to go and do the lightsaber experience, which you've already done, which hearing how G uh, Genie Plus works, that's well, sort I, of how. <laughs> I've heard the Disneyland version is actually better oh, of really? just the regular Genie. So remember, that's only the Genie system. I That's just from people I've heard have used just the... We're talking just here of the general genie thing, mm. not the, you know. Ah, uh, like um, lightning lane. Not that. genie plus. Just the one that's like go at this time because the weights are, are short sort of thing. And it yeah. does show, I was looking at it the other day, it shows like expected wait times and it'll essentially okay. be like, oh, come back later in the day, it should be quieter, that sort of thing. So from what I've heard, that is better at Disney land than at Walt Disney World. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's also the thing where it has gotten better at Walt Disney World at predicting. And then they rolled that out in the Disneyland launch, but people don't really talk about it. Like you get one <laughs> yeah. chance to make a first impression. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I'll probably do a day where I'm not going to follow Genie regular to the T, 
but I'll just look and see what it would have recommended compared to what we actually did and see would it have been better to do what it said or just do our own thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not, I can tell you now we're not going to like looking at the attractions that are part of it. There's no, it doesn't, if you're a Disney California adventure for the entire day, it doesn't seem worth getting genie plus. Yeah. Like there's a, two of the attractions at DCA are individual attraction purchases. So you're really buying it for like five rides of which two are actually good. <laughs> like, it is a shame that, you know, they can't go back to that max pass system because it basically was as you're saying when max pass and fast pass were both there together mm. you had the option where it was like you are sacrificing your time by going to an attraction and printing out a fast pass ticket because then you can come back later mm-hmm. and that's the expense that you're paying by not getting max pass but max pass lets you virtually put yourself around mm-hmm. the park to go and pick it up and that like and i in feel both like parks that's still too. Like you used to be able, so there'd be times where I'd be like, okay, we're at Disneyland. Oh, cool. In 20 minutes, we can get a max pass for Radiator Springs races. Yeah. And we would book it. And then within, you know, 30 minutes, you're on the ride. Max pass, you couldn't do that with the traditional fast pass system. So that was the benefit. Where now they've gotten rid of that differentiation and have just gone, the only way that you can do it is pay. That money. It seems like such a waste, doesn't it? Like uh, of that mm. time, especially. They've gotten rid of two systems that worked for something that they know that they can make money from, but they don't know mm. necessarily if it improves the guest experience. But yeah. I haven't heard anyone who's been like, and I guess we are within the bubble of people who already know how to have a good Disney mm. day, but I haven't heard anyone who's been like, yeah, you have to get Genie Plus to have the best Disney day possible. It's a shame that we're not really ever going to know that those stats, but Disney would. Like, yeah. you know, with exit surveys and stuff like that. But as you're saying, the only people we kind of surround ourselves with and that's just because of the way it works and stuff like this, are the people who are in the know. And while I have heard from, you know, some people that say, yeah, it was worth it on this day at this specific park, Mm. I'm seeing a lot more negativity than I'm seeing positivity sort of thing. Like that thing where basically the system fixes a problem that Disney has created on specific days. Hmm. Like yeah, that's sort of be how interesting it feels to like say. to me. But um, outside of that, so enough of the the negatives because mm. we just we need to get that out of the way because I know that there would be a lot of people who are coming up to Disney trips, especially coming yeah. into holiday seasons and that. So they probably may not be aware of these things. Definitely worthwhile to go and do your research and find out research mm-hmm. beyond the Disney marketing as well. So try and find some independent sources um, just so that you have a, a wrap around the whole system. Yeah. The exactly. other thing, I guess, uh, things that you're excited for, I hear that someone may be staying at the Disneyland hotel again. Yeah. So um, I we're staying at three places because um, we're when we we're because obviously we're going for New Year's Eve. Uh, we're not made of money, so we're not staying <laughs> at the, on site uh, over New Year's Eve. Uh, and then we're moving to the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel because it was cheaper to stay on site at Knott's than buy tickets separately. So we're doing that uh, for one yeah. night, and then we've, we're meeting up with a friend. Um, 
who's staying with us when we stay on site. That's one thing I'm, I'm lucky enough that it may sound like I'm really rich, but I'm not. I just have <laughs> cast members as really close friends still um, who are, we've got a friend coming from Orlando who's going to spend the, um, you know, six nights with us when we're at Disneyland at the Disneyland Hotel uh, because he's still a cast member over there. He gets 60% off the Disneyland yeah. Hotel at the moment. Uh, and then you split that between three people and it's actually cheaper Super than what affordable. South Harbor hotels were for the same week. Um, so that'll be cool. And then, of course, Dom, you think I the, the thing I'm most excited for isn't even a Disneyland park. What? It's a Disney California adventure. Oh, the goo. The uh. new Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout <laughs> goo. Uh, but nah. seriously, talking about Avengers campus, eh? I'm, I'll, I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm excited. But I, if you, if I was to tell you the the ten most excited things I am for Disneyland, like even the ten most excited attractions I am to ride again, Spider Man's not even going to be in the top ten. I'm sorry. Like, I I hope that I ride it and it pleasantly surprises me. But I'm more excited to get back on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which I've ridden, you know, seven plus times, than I am to yeah. ride Spider-Man, which I've not ridden at all. Like For yeah. me, it's like Avengers Campus just seems like that it's nice that it's there, but you wouldn't exactly be missing out if it wasn't. <laughs> It seems like the thing where it's like, if it replaced anything other than Bugs Land, it'd be that thing where it's like, oh, this is disgusting downgrade. The fact it just replaced a land that was kind of temporary feeling anyway, you give it a bit more of a pass. I am worried of what it, you know, the standard it and Pixar Pier set for that park Mm. thematically, because, you know, the fact that, yeah, it's weird. Like, even in that park, I'm more excited for Radiator Springs Races, for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, for Soarin', for, you know, Toy Story Midway Mania even, than I am yeah. for Spider-Man. I am excited to see the Stunt-Tronic in, in person. That'll be cool. Um, that's kind of the thing I'm most excited for. Also, the, the Doctor Strange kind of meet and greet show thing looks kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah, and I'll I'll definitely try out Pim tit uh Pim <laughs> Pim <laughs> Test Kitchen. I was gonna say Pim Titchen. I was like, just <laughs> smash those two words together. Um, I'm excited to try out that. A bit another thing that I didn't really touch on, um, that is a big shame, you know, stuff like the Fantasyland Theatre and the Hyperion Theatre don't have a show in them at the moment. Oh wow. Um, which is taking away that kind of there's entertainment still like parade at Disneyland. There's a of holiday entertainment over at dca but taking away that perfect way to just chill for an hour in a theme park that is a big high capacity high quality stage show gives you um Mm. so those i'll sort of miss as well it's going to be weird um it's a thing i i'm super excited to get back obviously super excited to get on uh rise of the resistance and then, obviously, all my favorites that are at this park. As we went over last week, this is my favorite theme park in the world. So, yeah. I'm excited to get back, but it is going to be interesting to see the differences. Um, and then, as you know, with review time, 
we can love something, but that doesn't mean we ain't going to slam it. So <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. Like, like I'm not going to, you know, you, you hear of people, bloggers and stuff who kind of give a sanitized look at things because they want to stay on the good side. I think we've burned enough bridges. It's too late for the staying on the good side. You'll hear the honest opinion from me when I get back. And don't think that I'm going to go over there looking to be negative Nancy. Mm. I'm going to go over there. I'm expecting to have a really good time, but I'm not going to turn a blind eye to anything that I see as a, you know, a brand withdrawal, as Bob Iger used to say. Yeah. There are a couple things that I'm really interested to see. One of them will be considering the hours within the park and the fact that, you know, as you were saying, a lot of the entertainment is missing, a lot of the um, the parades, like things like magic still happens. still the Christmas and parade. Still- uh, well, the Christmas parade normally would replace that magic happens yeah. anyway. So Christmas parade is currently running twice a day. Okay. So Disneyland Which- seems to pretty much... The only major thing that's missing from Disneyland is Fantasmic and a, and a show at Fantasyland Theatre. All yeah. the other kind of smaller entertainment has re- mostly returned. Um, that's good. But DCA seems to be, you know, lacking without World of Colour, without something in the Hyperion Theatre. There's mm. easily two hours of your day that you now have to fill with other stuff if you were and spending a whole day at the park. That's what I'm thinking, especially like... Yeah, as well, the Christmas, I've never really been a huge fan of the I like Christmas, Christmas the changes. Disney parks. I, I like love Christmas, Disneyland for Christmas. Like carols Super and all magical. that I've never been into. But I don't like the music. <laughs> the main street, ding, 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 ding. I, but I do like the Christmas parade looks really good at Disneyland. Is it that thing, though, that I guess it'll be good on that, Especially the New Year's Eve where the park is opened until 2 a.m., which is disgusting. 8 a.m. till 2 a.m. Absolutely Six, gross. 18-hour <laughs> park day. But Ugh. it'll be interesting to know because I've found that when you've got recognizable songs, especially Disney songs and stuff like that, mm. that you can watch the fireworks every night and you can watch the parades every night. And that. So it'll be mm. interesting to see with those How long many? hours... Whether you're hitting like 8 p.m., it's like, I don't really want to stay here any longer. <laughs> I reckon it'll be almost the opposite, which is a thing a lot of people do. Where like, So the entire time that we're there, the theme parks are opening at 8 a.m. Mm. Both Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, where yeah. I do feel it's going to be that thing where I was like, well, Disneyland, for the entire length of our stay, Disneyland is open 8 a.m. until midnight. The entire time we are there. We ain't going to be there for that length of time. (laughs) And so I reckon it will be the thing where some days we're not getting there till 11 a.m. Yeah. And so, you know, you might stay till 12 o'clock the night before. But the joy of staying on site is we're a 10 minute walk away from the park whenever we want to go. If you even that thing where you don't do it too often in a theme park, but it's a good feeling when you do the good old. I'm not even setting an alarm tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess that sort of wraps it up. Mm. Um, I'll be really interested to hear your opinions after the trip to sort of see yeah. um, how it compares. You know, 
Exactly as we were saying earlier before the show, we're having this conversation which spurred this this podcast to begin with because you do have that history with Disneyland, uh, but you are also within the realm of reviewing theme parks. Mm. It'll be interesting to see your personal takeaways as well as your critical takeaways and whether they overlap. Like if it becomes mm. that thing where those critical elements start to affect your ability to personally enjoy the park. Um, but I guess we'll only find, we'll out find out in the future. Which will be our first episode back next year because we yeah. are going to be taking a few weeks off. Um, I believe this comes out on like Christmas Eve, Australia time. But yeah, hopefully you're listening to it at some point, just relaxing at this end of year where you usually get a nice break. I believe our first episode back will be like, um, mid-January, but stay tuned to the socials if you would like to find out when we will be back and see if I roast Disneyland or praise <laughs> it on the first episode. But huge thanks for the support this year. We have made a ton of episodes of a Retime Theme Park cast this year because you guys keep asking for more, so we keep creating them. So a big thank you to you. It's also that fan response and and the people who connect with it as well as hearing it's all fun. of the uh, yeah. anecdotal reactions of people who have listened to the podcast and especially people who are saying that it helps them through tougher times and especially after this year i think a lot of people have been hanging out for those things so exactly. uh, the podcast isn't going anywhere for a long time except it is going away for a, a little break for a because few it's weeks. too hard to organise recording whilst Luke is away. And do you think yeah. that we preempted this, even though we knew it was coming for a little we kinda bit? We kind of did. No. <laughs> this is kind of uh, kind of a little earlier than expected. So, this like is a, true. This is, you may, you're listening to this in two weeks' time. So Yeah. yeah. So this yeah. is recorded on the 12th, and it will probably come yeah. out sometime around Christmas. So... Uh, anyway, Merry Christmas from the Review Time team. Happy New Year. Uh, your resolution, go to more theme parks, but also be true That's to ours. yourself. Aw, sounds good. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. You Wait, can catch we... me well, yeah, at Review Time Dom on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me at Review Time Luke on Twitter. And you can find us both and be able to tell Luke that he almost cut off the outro at Time Review or Review Time everywhere else. <laughs> we'll be back uh, in sometime in 2022. See ya. Bye. Review Time's theme podcast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. A big shout-out goes to our newest patron, Claire Lee Belgian, long-term patron, John Madison, and to you, the listener. Review Time's theme podcast will be back in 2022.